You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, this is Dan Levitard. Welcome to South Beach Sessions. Wanted to do sort of a one-subject South Beach session here with somebody that I find to be uncommonly informed on the subject of climate change. In a way, it feels like we all should be, but people just run away when they hear that phrase. It just doesn't seem anymore today, like when you read about German floods wiping out villages or Chinese subways filling to the halfway point with water and just all the things that are happening in places on fire record heat all over the place. Uh, it seems fairly obvious and overt that we have a earth-threatening climate problem. And from that space, Adam McKay, who likes to make cool things and does creative things, has decided to make something that might be a comedy and might not, might be hard to classify like his last couple of movies because he just went somewhere for six weeks to write this movie and it came very quickly to him and now he's made a movie that is going to be on Netflix here next month about climate change. Anyways, all of which is to say, Adam, I want people to get alarmed by this because it's surprising to me that this many unprecedented things can be happening and there isn't more alarm. Yeah, same here. It's it's really bizarre to see this thing that's tangibly happening that's incredible, that may be, the, uh, without exaggeration, the biggest story in human history. Not maybe, it is. There's just no question. The only other one you could compare it to is the nuclear bomb. And to see most of the news outlets sort of put it as like the seventh story or to cover it as isolated weather incidents. They don't say they're isolated, but they, they cover it like they're one-off weather incidents. So it's been, a, it's been a really strange experience to see most media outlets resist the hell out of what, what is like the attack on Pearl Harbor times a million. And so people, people would call you an alarmist or a Hollywood elitist or get out of my business, don't talk to me about politics, all the stuff we've been arguing about stupidly for the last five years. But when I'm reading in the New York Times that Chicago is supposed to be safe from these kinds of flooding things and Chicago is not safe and it's not blaring headlines, it's more of a question in the New York Times. You're saying to me there need to be alarm headlines. Like why are people, you've been saying this to journalists for a long time, have you not? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, here's the thing. Like people can say, oh, you made stepbrothers. Why should I listen to you? I mean, the big thing is it's not like there's a cavalcade or a high demand for, you know, climate scientists being booked on shows. You know, we live in a society where we like entertainment, where the news is driven by profits and ratings. So, they tend to avoid really bad news. They tend to go for the sensationalistic. Uh, there don't tend to be a lot of climate scientists books on, booked on shows. So, you know, you're one of the few people who actually wants to talk about this. So I'll talk about it. I, I just basically, I'm not a scientist, but I read and talk to the scientists quite a bit because a while ago, I got very disturbed about this story. So I've been very closely tracking it. And what's just happened is they've, the scientists have warned us about this for a long time. They've said, our models are not accurate, our computer models. This is almost impossible to model. You're modeling the climate, which is like modeling the weather or the stock market. There's so many variables that it's almost impossible to do. And sure enough, the most pessimistic models are now proving to be not pessimistic enough and that this change isn't linear that's going on with the climate it's exponential which means there's a very good chance it could jump ahead in ways that we can't even imagine uh, i asked one scientist is it possible we could wake up one day and it's like a light switch flipped 
And like out of the movies, you see the seagulls flying across the sky and you hear weird thunder that you've never heard before. And the scientists said, yes, that's very possible. So what we've seen in the last five, six months is close to that. The jumps that are happening now are incredibly startling. And I do think, Merritt, if, if we had giant bold letter headlines over the attack on Pearl Harbor, without a doubt, it is time to start talking about it like this. And very few people are doing that. It's alarming to me, obviously. I mean, what you're saying, I'm, it just it's I'm sure it's hitting people in the face. But to me, it is I it has become too overt to not be obvious, though, when you're talking about a German village just being swept away or or water filling a Chinese subway or New York flooding out of nowhere, like and the fires in your state. And let's keep going. The huge fires in Siberia right now, which are getting almost no coverage. They're unprecedented. There's Madagascar is collapsing from drought and heat waves as we speak. And then there's just tons of like weird ones. Like a friend of mine lives in Vermont and you look up Vermont hottest summer ever. Uh, I have friends up in Ireland. Uh, England just declared their first extreme heat warning in history. Belfast just recorded their highest temperature. It goes on and on and on. It's happening. It's a scientific fact that it's happening. But, you know, Dan, you know, like you, you deal with this too. It, it's, there's a lot of money was put out there. It's sort of like a boxer going to the body in the early rounds and it pays off later. These oil companies bought a lot of politicians. They buy a lot of advertising on our media and they put out a dangerous, murderous narrative, which is that climate change is a hoax. Climate change is unsettled science when it definitely is. And what they did was, and you can do this if you have enough money, you can politicize any issue. You know, we're seeing it now with the vaccine, which should be the biggest no brainer in the world. Uh, not to say we shouldn't question big pharma and medicine. Of course we should. But you can politicize any issue you want to. We could politicize brushing. If I had $3 billion, we could turn brushing your teeth into a very controversial political act. And that's what they did with this climate change. That's what people like Rupert Murdoch did. And, and without exaggeration, conservatively, hundreds of millions will die from this. That's almost definite. And it really is potentially an extinction level event. And, and this sounds crazy, but read any scientist. Don't just say, oh, some celebrity director, I'm, I'm not quite a celebrity, but some director is saying this from Hollywood, who cares? Don't just dismiss it. Go Google, go look it up, go read articles, take five minutes. Because it, it, even if you think I'm crazy, if there's a 1% chance, what I'm saying is, true, what I'm relaying from the scientists is true, uh, take five minutes and go on Google. And if you think like, oh, I can't do anything about this, there's no, what can I do? Take literally eight seconds, go on Google and just type in, what can I do about climate change? You know what comes up? Hundreds of articles telling you exactly what you can do. But there's a lot of money has been spent to create this perception of either cynicism or doubt or politicization that, you know, liberals and left-wingers are doing this, that fat cat climate scientists are, you know, making money off this and driving around in Maseratis and laughing <laughs> cynically behind closed doors. I mean, it's ridiculous that we're going to not trust, you know, humble client scientists and going to trust Exxon and Shell who have literally no track record of moral behavior whatsoever and lie at every turn. So that's the point we're at where I'm just, you know, it's time to nakedly run that alarm bell. You know, it's been rung for devious purposes and for people to lie to people for years and years, but this is the time you actually ring the alarm bell. I could talk to him about a number of different projects of his that I want to talk to him about because I find his work super interesting. So through the QAnon documentary that he did for HBO, he could have shown you some of the ways that we get fooled that are appalling and obvious. And through Succession, another project of his, I, I assume that's modeled after the Murdochs, just this separated wealth. I want you to help my audience understand this issue, though, instead of through the work. The, how do we arrive at the oceans on fire and oil is 
being pumped by a company that's $119 billion in debt. Like how much more obvious, I don't need to Google something, Adam. I don't need to look uh, to know that that's not helping anybody. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest stories about the last 50 years, and there's a great Adam Curtis documentary, the British documentarian from the BBC called Century of Self. And it's about the just tremendous power behind the persuasion sciences. You can call them propaganda, you can call them marketing, advertising. Uh, it, it, and, and they're really so much more powerful than we realize. And I'll even put it on myself. It's not like I'm better than this. I'm part of it too. I mean, I'm, I'm a moron who smoked for 25 years. I, I still occasionally can't resist a Taco Bell ad and drive through a drive-through like, I gotta try that weird, you know, mutant Mexican thing they've created. It looks so damn good. Like marketing works. Like there's no reason we would eat the crappy fast food that we eat, you know, that's loaded with sugar and fat and salt. So it's addictive once you start eating it, but the it, marketing works, it just does. And, and it works on all of us. And that's what happened here. They really did an expert job. There's, there's a, a great book called, I'm trying to remember the, I think it's called uh, Manufacturing Doubt. Uh, that's about the whole industry of creating doubt about issues that there should be no doubt about. I mean, if this sounds far-fetched, just think about what's going on with the vaccine right now. I mean, it's preposterous. People in other countries look at our country, the fact that 40% of our country, in some cases, 50, 60% of our country won't take the vaccine, won't get the shot. They look at us like we're nuts. People in other countries can't understand what's going on. Um, and and that's it. it. It's that powerful a force. And it creates this worldview that's, that's without exaggeration, killing us and going to really start killing us soon. How can it be, though, Adam, that this country can be that dumb? Honest to God, that we could be yeah. that we can have that much excess and be that dumb because I did not know our country was this dumb until the last five years. I think dumb's a tough word. I think like I remember being in Alabama when we shot Talladega Nights and turning on the cable news channel in my hotel room. And number like three or four on the dial was Fox News. Number eight was Christian Broadcast News. And like number 270 was CNN. And by the way, I'm not a big fan of CNN either. They're very corporatist news. But that just shows you, you can create these pockets and there's a lot of money that's been spent to do this where people just aren't getting information. And if you don't have information, and if the information you're receiving is false information that seems like it's real, how do you know? If you don't, the real question is, if you don't know, how do you know you don't know? Because I do think people do want to know the truth. I do think people want to know what's going on, but they're not going to just hear some guy who directed Talladega Nights or The Big Short and go, oh, he's saying this, he's right. They're going to listen to their uncles, their aunts, their parents. They're going to listen to their community. They're going to listen to the Fox News that they watch. That see, when you look at it with your eyes squinted, it looks a lot like real news. So it, the, the truth is this stuff is powerful, man. It's, you know, what, what happened with Cambridge Analytica, the data mining uh, company out of England that helped get Trump elected, showed that. I mean, they were really able to scientifically target people that they could swing to be more extreme right wing. They were able to target people through use of this tremendous amount of data, a lot of it provided from the social media companies, Facebook, and they were able to target specific voters and swing them more extreme without the voters realizing it. There's an incredible story. This is how powerful this stuff is. The target was the new kid on the block when it came to retail and Walmart obviously dominates that space. Target wanted to jump into the game and they couldn't figure out how to, to get into it because Brand loyalty is incredibly powerful. People don't switch their brand loyalties very easily. And that includes political parties as well. And so Target hired a company that using data, they, they realized that one of the only times that people switch their brands is when a woman is pregnant. Because you're kind of becoming a new person, you're becoming a parent. And people will switch their brands when they have a child.
So using search data, Target was able to pardon the pun or maybe embrace the pun, target uh, consumers who were pregnant and hit them with advertisements to go to Target. Well, what ended up happening was the data was so precise, they were targeting women who didn't even know they were pregnant yet. But through their data searches, the, the algorithms were able to determine that the women were pregnant. And some of the women were complaining, why do I keep getting all these diaper ads? And then they would go, oh, never mind. And that's how Target got a leg up. It's one of the ways they got a leg up and became a major retail player. So this stuff is heavy duty. It's highly scientific. The military's used it for years. It's military grade persuasion sciences. And that's what we've been thwacked with. I mean, the idea that we voted for Donald Trump for president, if you had said that 30 years ago, it's without exaggeration as crazy as voting for Fred Flintstone or like these nuts for president. Yet the people that did it confidently did it. I had family members who looked me in the eye and were just like, yes, I'm doing this and I feel great about it. That's how strong this stuff is. And that unfortunately is what's happened to us when it comes to the climate crisis. A lot of money was spent to create doubt about this. Okay. But every day you read, not only is it hotter in this city in America than it's ever been, but it's five degrees and six degrees hotter. It's in Death Valley being recorded the hottest temperature we've ever seen on this planet. Like this stuff's not hidden, Adam. But you read that. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't have aren't reading those news sources. There's a lot of people. And I understand this. I mean, we've just been through an incredibly traumatic two years. There's also a lot of people that just don't want to deal with it, that feel like they don't have the emotional bandwidth, which I totally understand. I don't want to either. Um, so you have people that don't have the emotional bandwidth for this after being pummeled with income inequality, spree shootings, the opioid epidemic, essentially the collapse of the United States as we know it, world democracies tumbling, and then you've got to deal with the livable atmosphere collapsing. Well, it, you know, there's just a lot of people that hear it the second they hear it turn away. Um, and then there's a, just a ton of people that aren't reading the news sources you're reading that, that you know, even CNN downplays it, but they at least talk about it a little bit. Fox doesn't talk about this almost ever. So if you're watching Fox News, you're not hearing any of this. This is all, you know, this is all without exaggeration news to that person. And seems like uh, I'm a crazy alarmist, seems like I'm way out in left field, seems like I'm pushing some Green New Deal agenda. So it's a really hard thing to do. I, I'm not certain anything I'm saying would convince anyone. There might be some people that have just been busy that might hear some of this information, might hear it from other sources and go, wait a minute. There's certainly people that were already clued into it are becoming more alarmed. We're, we're definitely seeing that. You think, though, that you're going to sound like a wild loon when fires are catching fire and the world is flooding and clearly scientists are shouting, hey, we may have underestimated everything? Like, you think that you sound like the crazy person. I, I don't think, I think five years ago, I definitely did. I mean, on social media, there were people that would say it, like, calm down, you sound crazy. Now I don't think it's you sound crazy so much as it is I get tend to get these kinds of responses, which are, you know, calm down. We still have time, you know, calm down. There's other problems going on. So now it's kind of become like diminishing it. And then a big one you hear is what can I do about it anyway? That's the most common. And I'll even hear people just say we're all going to die anyway. This kind of nihilism, people that have just had enough of it and have kind of given up, which I can't say it strongly enough. There's no reason to give up. We have technology. We have carbon capture technology, which yes, it needs to be perfected. But remember, we didn't have the atomic bomb at the beginning of World War II, and by the end, we did. Like science is amazing when it really has a single purpose. The development of the vaccine against COVID was remarkable. It's one of the craziest stories in, in the history of science. So when we put our minds to it, we can really do it. Carbon capture, we can perfect it. We have renewable energy. Solar panels are more cost efficient than fossil fuels. That is officially true now. And we have hydro, we have wind, we have thermals. So there's there's these incredible technologies that are out there. The big trick is we just got to scale them up 
at a at a World War II pace. And that's what we're not doing. That's what we're not talking about. We need to go into Winston Churchill, you know, post Dunkirk, you know, Dunkirk mode and start really preparing at a rate that's almost unimaginable and transforming our society. But that's not going to happen till millions of people really get that bug of urgency. Um, but we can do this. I mean, we're not done yet. Uh, and, and I think that's the other thing is for people not to fall victim to just nihilism about it. My team is one win away. And I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do to celebrate once they get past this series. I'm going to go to my fridge and I'm going to get myself an ice cold can of Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975 and it still hasn't been settled. You see, Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer, less filling, and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller Time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If you were to view this, though, from this moment in time, because you're speaking apocalyptically and you are saying that if we had real leadership, real political leadership, a whole bunch of people would realize that whatever the separations and the divisions are, we don't have a greater crisis than this one because you're saying the world's going to be on fire and flood and we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. And and it's happening and it's not. It's very specific, measurable science. There's no doubt about the fact that we have altered the livable atmosphere to a point where it in some ways is not a livable atmosphere anymore. I mean, they can track the CO2 parts per million and very accurately and using core samples, they can go back millions and millions of years and they know what the makeup of the atmosphere was. And this is definite and without a doubt, this is happening. And the other thing we know and it's one of those things we don't entirely know. We know that we don't entirely know is we don't know because there's so many feedback loops. Like when methane, when the permafrost burns in Siberia, it releases methane, which is more powerful than CO2 by, once again, I'm not a scientist, but I think a factor of like seven or 10. And then how does that affect once the ice melts, that doesn't reflect the sun as much. So what does that affect? And once the ocean warms, that doesn't absorb the cold, which is why we had a dip in the warming like seven, eight years ago. So there's all these different factors that play on each other that we don't know. So the one thing we don't know is how fast this is happening. But what's become apparent lately, and this is why I'm, you can tell by what I'm saying, I'm definitely fully ringing the alarm bell in my tiny little sphere, is that it is happening much faster than the model said. We do know that. And it's possible it could start to happen way faster than the models say. And that's what really scares me. This is exponential change. This is not linear change. And when you say that, you start with, hey, a portion of the United States over here is on fire. And the smoke blew across the continent to New York. And people walking around New York, the, the sky looked like, what's the planet Luke Skywalker's from Tatooine. I mean, the, the sun looked bizarre. The AQI, the air quality index was 170. Uh, I mean, that's what we had when we had fires here in Los Angeles. Uh, at 170, that's that's seven times the WHO you know, allowable air quality index. Uh, people start to have serious health problems. You start to get to 250, 300, 
you got to lock yourself in your house. You got to put towels under the door and have air filters. Um, by the way, I, it depends where you live. Probably in Miami, you guys don't have to worry about fires, but anyone living near fires uh, should be buying air filters. Uh, we had it uh, last summer. We couldn't leave the house for a couple of days here in LA because the AQI was so high. My sister had to leave Portland last year because the AQI where she was got to four or 500. Friend of mine's parents were in Oregon as well. Their AQI was up to like 700. I mean, you're talking about like Chernobyl at that point. I mean, that is just, that's mind blowing. That's like, that's like standing in a campfire at that point. You're basically saying though, that we right now are in the middle of the horror movie. And I don't think you're an alarmist at all. Like I don't, I don't view you and see, well, this guy is going to be screwed. You're, you're pointing to the science and things to me that are obvious, but I would assume people are going to receive this like you're a total loon, right? Uh, yeah. Once again, I don't think lunatic anymore. I'm not hearing that as much. I, I'm hearing mostly like you're overreacting. It's not as fast as you think, or I'm hearing it's over. Who cares anyway? Uh, or just, I don't want to deal with it. Just straight up wall of denial. It's too much given all the other crap we've all been through. And I totally get that. But uh, the part that the only reason I'm saying all of this, if it really was over, I wouldn't even be, I'd be talking to you about Giannis getting the 50 nuggets from Chick-fil-A uh, in his Escalade at, what was it, nine in the morning or whatever. Uh, we would definitely be talking about that because who cares at that point? But we do have the technology. It's just the scaling up of it. We got to go like, you know, right now, right this second. Like this is one of those times like call your congressperson, call your rep, call your senators, call the president and freak out. And that actually will do something. If these if these people in D.C. start to feel the fear from the people and the urgency, they will start to change. I mean, you're seeing it with the vaccine. People on Fox News, your governor down in Florida, who's a total you know moron, had to come out the other day and say the vaccine is good because those people are going to get sued. There's going to be lawsuits against Fox News for saying don't do the vaccine because people are dying from it. And it's going to be the same thing with this. This is going to this goes under the category of millions of people are going to die. If you keep denying this, this becomes a public health hazard and you can't do that on the news. Politicians can't do that without being culpable. There's already been lawsuits against the government in the past. So uh, we're starting to get into a, like a massive liability issue, uh, which because our government's so bought and paid for, really the the civil courts are one of the great ways to go. So, you know, this is one of those times where making noise will make a difference. Talking to your friends, we, we you know we downplay how important it is. We have circles of friends around us. There's a chatter to a community that ripples out, like talking to them about this, about buying air filters, about preparing for this, preparing for heat waves. Uh, what can we do in our community? Getting renewed. If you've got excess income, which a lot of people unfortunately don't now, like get solar panels on your house. Why am I driving a gas car? That's small, but all these little small things can add up. Uh, far bigger differences to go after the massive corporations that are doing this on a grand scale. But all of this stuff does matter. You're talking about changing a culture and a perception. Um, so yeah, it, it, if it really was past the point that we could do anything about it, we would definitely be talking about Giannis getting those 50 nuggets and did he eat them all himself? Did his girlfriend have some? He also ordered two breakfast burritos. I heard it was 20,000 calories. Uh, we would be talking about that. And was he hanging out with other people that he was getting the food for? I kind of think he wasn't. Can you eat 20,000 calories? He is 6'11". All right, He's fine. With, All right, Adam, look, know. we'll do it your way. We'll do it your way. Adam has been laughing at stuff in the face of the apocalypse for a long time now. And <laughs> I, I, I would actually prefer to talk to you because it's much lighter and much nicer of this fear birthing an inspiration that led to you writing this movie, this big movie that you're making faster than you've ever written anything, I would imagine, because I, I, I'm hearing from you in just what I've heard recently over the last, I don't know, two years, that you've been so alarmed by this that you said, okay, I can't keep just screaming and crying. I'm going to go try and do something funny with it, too. Laughing isn't, like it's obviously enjoyable, but there's a great book called Deep Survival. Have you heard of this book? This is a guy who studied why people survive 
getting lost in the woods, why they survive getting lost at sea and why they survive kind of freak accidents. But one of the big things he discovered was keeping a sense of humor, which I know anyone who's been listening to this point was like, well, nothing you just said was funny. But but these people that get like lost at sea, there's these incredible stories where these people have like a sense of humor while they're going through it and are able to have dark laughs about it. And what it does is it gives you a perspective. It means you're not overwhelmed by the moment. It means you can you can have some, because to laugh at something, you have to have some perspective. So of course, I love to just laugh. I love comedy, but I think particularly laughing about this and how crazy it is that we believed Shell and Exxon for decades, the most untrustworthy companies on planet Earth. But we were just like, yeah, they're fine. They care about the Earth. It's pretty hilarious. And it's pretty hilarious to look at the news and see what we're talking about in the face of this crazy story. So there's a lot of funny things about it, too. And yeah, I, I just had a moment where it was like, this is the story. Anything else I'm doing is is related to it. But this is the one. And how do you possibly go right at it? And that was the question that I was just asking for a couple of years. How do you go right at this story? And finally, I was like, you have to do a comedy. You have to, because if, if you did the real story, it would be so grim and devastating and terrifying. You would just really probably be talking to people that already agree with it and understand the point you're making. So, yeah, I went to I I pulled up and I I wrote a script. I had the outline beforehand, so it wasn't really six weeks because the outline's tricky part. But I wrote the actual script in about six weeks, and obviously rewrote it a bunch of times. And it's called Don't Look Up, and it's it's about a, a DEF CON. It's going to hit the Earth and two kind of mid-level, low-level scientists who discovered Jen Lawrence, Leo DiCaprio. And they go and they have to go on a media tour and they're not equipped to do it. I mean, it's a it's an astronomy professor from Michigan State, a PhD candidate from Michigan State. And suddenly they're thrown right into the middle of the scrum in Washington, D.C. and right into the 24-hour news cycle. And, and that's what the movie's about. Let me talk to you a little about what you said about CNN and news coverage. And I found it fairly galling when just galling, even understanding, Adam, what Fox News has been doing and the drive for ratings. Galling that on the day the Dow goes down more than any day this year and you see that the vaccine uh, is something that has been, you know, not supported by Fox and the liability issues you talk about that all of a sudden Hannity is not even saying he can't even bring himself to say the words, go get vaccinated, just take COVID seriously. All of that is exasperating that it takes the lawyers getting involved and the money to drop for anybody to be paying attention to the corruptive influences of oil and money. Yeah, by the way, I don't have definitive proof that that's what happened, but that's what happened. It's liability. It's the same thing with the Dominion voting machines. You know, you had to own and all these news outlets saying that the machines were rigged. Well, guess what Dominion did? Dominion was like, no, our machines aren't rigged. We're suing you. And suddenly all the people on these far-flung right-wing outlets had to come on and say, Dominion actually isn't because they don't want to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm guessing that's what happened here. I mean, I it's one of the most cynical, ugly things I've ever seen in my entire life. Those Fox News hosts who are vaccinated, they are all vaccinated. And, you know, Tucker Carlson dodges the question, but a bunch of them have admitted it. And by the way, Tucker Carlson vaccinated. People in the know know that he's vaccinated. Going on the news and telling people, don't get vaccinated. It's dangerous. It's questionable. Don't trust it while they're vaccinated. It's really incredible. There's stories coming out of Alabama. There's a doctor down there who just wrote a piece about patients she had coming in to the hospital with COVID, having to get intubated, which at that point, you're, you're possibly going to die. That's very serious. The second they put that tube down your throat and before they're getting intubated, saying to the doctor, now, you know what? I want to get the vaccine now. And the doctor having to look them in the eyes and tell them it's too late. And the people saying to the doctor, I thought it was a hoax. I heard it on the news. I read it on Facebook and people dying and the doctor having to go to the family and say, if you want any good to come from this, tell people to get vaccinated. That is directly because of what these people 
are saying on Fox, have been saying on Fox. It, it's just one of the most nihilistic, dark, ugly, cynical things I've just ever seen playing off of people's fear and confusion to get ratings and to polarize the political climate to keep power for your oligarch owner, Rupert Murdoch, who, by the way, is also vaccinated and said it publicly. I mean, the darkness behind that, it's incredible. It's breathtaking. And that's exactly what they've been doing with the, the climate crisis, exactly what they've been doing. They know full well these people are not total dummies. Some of them are, but uh, they know. They know the science is super clear on this. You could take one minute and read the science and you get what's going on. It's, it's hard to even fathom how, how just blackened the interior of Tucker Carlson, how blackened he is as a human being uh, to do something like that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How does it end up working, though, Adam? How are we in the middle? Like, what we're talking about on this conversation is so apocalyptic that what we're talking about is the world is burning and everyone's grabbing at the dollars and the power and the billionaires and the wealth gap as it, you know, as it gets to the point that they can shoot, race each other into space with rockets. And that's what we're in the middle of. And all of it sounds apocalyptic. It's incredible, but it, it goes into the same heading of like, why did people buy timeshares? Why did people vote against having health care? Why? I mean, I just think there's there's a powerful force that we are way underrating and it's information warfare. I just think it's a, it's so much more powerful than we think. How can you get people to do crazy, illogical things? How how did we have people thinking, including myself for years, that it's OK to smoke? How do we, you know, when a million people a year are dying from cigarette smoke? I mean, it, it's, I think what we're learning is you can really get people to do crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, I guarantee if you gave me $5 billion to create an ad campaign, I could have this country freaking out about witches. I could have like 30% of this country freaking out about witches within a year. You'd see people getting attacked. You'd hear about witch scares. I mean, that, you know, Fox News makes themselves look like the real news. They use the graphics, the push in. They play off of fears that we have. They play off of anger that we have. A lot of it coming from income inequality. They, the trauma is created, and then from the trauma they manipulate it. It's it's insidiously brilliant. There's a great book called Evil Geniuses by Kurt Anderson, which is a great one to read, and you really have to admire how brilliant it was. Uh, there's a bunch of good books about this. There's Democracy in Chains by Kim Phillips Fain, tracks this whole counter-revolution from the robber barons after the New Deal and how they sort of took control again. Uh, there's Dark Money by great Jay Mayer's an amazing book about how the, the right-wing counter-revolution took control through, through money and information warfare. There's a ton of good books. It's all chronicled. None of these books, the, the information's not questionable. It's all verified. It's all sourced. It's all right in front of us. It's not some hidden, dark conspiracy that's going on. It's very clear what happened. And even knowing all of that, you had to be surprised when the QAnon documentary comes across your desk and you realize... Oh, wait, even with all of that information, you had to underestimate what it is you actually knew watching the reporting on the QAnon piece, no? Yeah, yeah, that even shocked me. I mean, Colin Hoback, what he did, the, the director uh, of that, that series, just remarkable, went deep into that world for three years in a way that no one else did. Uh, it's, it's it was one of the most breathtaking things I've seen when I started seeing that footage. And yeah, it, it really, it was really sad though. You, you could see a lot of these people were dealing with issues, were dealing with trauma, were dealing with struggles, had been, you know, cut off from, from real information. Uh, you know, wages have been flat for 40 years. They have no health care. Uh, you know, people have been stricken from opioids. They, family members have died. And when you get people that 
beaten down and that confused. I mean, they're ripe for the picking for something like this. And you look at the people behind it, uh, behind the QAnon movement. I mean, they're very smart about what they do. The site they ran, 4chan, uh, Ron Watkins and his dad, very smart about what they're doing, all playing off like grievances, anger, frustration, fear. I mean, once you get someone really scared and traumatized, like they're very, you can just point and say, go through that door, you'll feel better. And when you're in a lot of pain, you'll just do it, including myself, including all of us. Even if it's following, you know, satanic pedophile conspiracy to the basement of a pizza place. <laughs> No, seriously, I don't, I'm not, I don't even mean it as a joke, even though it sounds funny. I, you are extending non-judgment in every circumstance that we're talking about here where you're like, look. You have to, you have to. People, I, I really believe people want to be decent. People want good things. I mean, it's scientifically proven when people are good and productive and have loved ones around them, their bodies are healthier. I think there's no question. No one wants to be that guy who ran into the pizza place with the, the assault rifle and then afterwards realized he'd been lied to. He didn't want to be doing that. He really thought he was doing a good thing. But I'll tell you one of the more incredible things about the QAnon is just, and Colin Oback would ask the people about it, like, you think that Donald Trump is the savior from this, but he was super tight buddies with Epstein for years. He was at these parties. Like, why do you think he's the guy? And they'll go, no, 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 he's split away from him. And then you would say like, well, but wait, he hired Dershowitz, who is at these parties with Epstein as his lawyer. Even after you think he split away from Epstein, Dershowitz was his lawyer, who's right in the middle of the Epstein thing. And and there's a couple of times you see people on camera say, is, is that true? I didn't know that. Or like 4chan was connected to, there were child pornography was constantly trying to be posted on 4chan. The, the owners had hosted sites with names that implied child pornography. And you could see some of the QAnon people go, really, is that true? But that that's the most incredible thing that the center of their entire belief is based around Donald Trump, who was super tight with Epstein. I mean, that's just the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know how you can hear that and not start to question something at that point. But but, you know, once you it's brand loyalty, once you jump in, once you commit, once you believe it's very hard to reverse course. It's like asking someone to just say, like, I need you to really start like, here's some proof. I need you to really start questioning gravity. And I think I think that's what's happened. I think people just once the commitments made, it's really hard to reverse it. You're doing a lot of excellent work and stimulating work. So you mentioned Epstein and I can talk to you for hours about all of this stuff even as the world burns, but you're trying to do journalism with a Miami Herald reporter, Julie Brown, who did all of the reporting on that dedicated her life to, you must have, you must see into that world in the work that you're doing in a way that people haven't had access to so far. Yeah. I mean, what I, I, I love stories like that, obviously, as you can see it in the big short, I love the stories of the people that, that buck the general consensus. And that's what Julie Brown did. It was a story that everyone had moved past. It was a story that a lot of the major outlets, I think, found a bit too unseemly to go into. And Julie is tenacious, uh, one of the most tenacious reporters out there. And she just refused to let it go and went into areas and went into subjects and places that it just made a lot of people uncomfortable. And I think as a, as a woman, especially, uh, forged a, a connection with the victims that very few people could have. And uh, and really, you look at that story, I mean, that story tells you a lot about the world we're in. If you look at all the power players that filter through that, Bill Clinton, Dershowitz, Prince Bandahar, Prince Andrew, Donald Trump, uh, it, Bill Richardson. I mean, these, it, it just, the power players, power players, and, and it goes beyond right, left. You know, it, it just becomes about power. It becomes about money. It becomes about influence in a way that really, it's almost not a, a microcosm to see the, the macro. It really, the story becomes so big at a certain point, it almost starts to feel like a macro story. But yeah, what, what Julie did is incredible. It's been, it's been fascinating to get to work with her. And the writer of the series, Sharon Hoffman, is so good. She's someone with a background in journalism as well. And the scripts are just fantastic. I'm, it's an amazing story. I would imagine that basically we're closer than we've ever been through the reporting that these people are doing 
to understanding, oh, wait, all of these people with the privilege and the money, they were abusing those privileges at the very height of what we're talking about here, where there's this web that even ensnares Bill Gates and has nothing to do with anything other than money and power. And can I maybe get women who are underage? Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, I mean, these were like sex parties. In some cases, they were underage. In some cases, it was sex parties. So we, we, we don't know 100 percent which players we know some players have strong accusations against them. They were with underage women like Prince Andrew. There's a lot of evidence against him. Dershowitz, there's some some very sizable evidence. Uh, Clinton, we know, was at a lot of these parties. We I haven't seen any evidence that he was with underage girls, but he was at some pretty unseemly, disgusting parties. So it, it, it's, but yeah, that's what it is. It's power, it's privilege. I think it's some guys in the case of like Bill Gates, probably for him to go have indiscriminate sex as someone that rich and powerful. I think for a lot of these people, it's hard to do and uh, without being public. So I think what Epstein promised them was privacy. You'd be in my private plane. I mean, his private plane literally had rubber floors installed in it. How grisly a detail is that? Uh, because they figured out if you went up in a private plane and had sex, there's no cameras, there's no paparazzi around. He got a private island. And I think that's the service he offered to these people. And, you know, then there's a lot of very strong possibilities, which I, I can't speculate on on some of them. But, you know, they found cameras in his house. Uh, so I, clearly he was taping these people. It, it's not a hard leap to assume he was involved in some level of compromise or blackmail that was going on. Uh, clearly there was some of that happening, but it's it's really a bottomless story. It goes across so many lines around the world. Are we going to get to the real story? How close do we get to it? Uh, the good thing is because of the hard work that Julie did, Julie Brown did, it's not going away. Uh, she was able to, to get that little fading spark back into a, a flame. And uh, that story is not going away. I mean, here's the million dollar question. And it's the one I keep asking. They found DVDs in his safe in his Manhattan house. And what happened to those DVDs? Where are they? Who has them? The FBI? Is the the government? Where are those DVDs? Um, because we found, they found cameras in his houses. And then they found those DVDs. Like, why isn't anyone talking about them? Who's on those DVDs? I mean, that's that's the one. That's the end of Indiana Jones where they put the Ark of the Covenant in the warehouse. That's the answer to it. Those are the answers to a lot of this. And I'm dying to know what's on those DVDs. And, and more importantly, why have people stopped asking about it? Like, where's the question about it? So, you know, it, it's a tricky story because it's there's a lot of shadowy unknowns to it. But the 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 things that we do know are are breathtaking and startling. And uh, it's a testament to good journalism. I mean, Julie was barely making a living when she started chasing this story. You know, journalists have been battered around the country. She was trying to scrape together money to get her daughter a laptop for college. That's what she was doing when she started uncorking this story. Um, and she just, like a true journalist, just wouldn't let it go. And she's she's tenacious as hell. It's it's an amazing story. I love that you're supporting things like that and that you go all over the place in doing serious stuff and journalism and light stuff and funnier stuff because we have to laugh as well. So with the premise of what you're doing with Don't Look Up, which would I would imagine, given all the things you've learned in your life, learned creatively, going back to head writer Saturday Night Live when you were in your early 20s, through comedy, through your last couple of films, being serious subject matter that you were also trying to do a little bit lightly. What are you trying to do with Don't Look Up? Do you? It can't be just that you want them to laugh, right? You want them to see the art in it so they also get alarmed, no? I think, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I mean, it's, it's more of a comedy than, I mean, much more of a comedy than Vice and The Big Short. I mean, there's long stretches of the movie that are, Hopefully people find quite funny. So, but ultimately I think it's not even, it, it definitely was inspired by climate change, the climate crisis, but it's really about how screwed up things have become in the way we just communicate with each other, that everything is filtered through ratings and clicks and, and your political affiliation. And are you charming or are you funny or are you pleasant? Um, and, and how, Really, what we did was like we profitized the very means in which we communicate. I mean, I have so many family members 
that mostly communicate through Facebook. And what that would have been 30 years ago was that would have been phone calls or letters, or maybe you make the extra effort to meet up. And now that's become Facebook. Well, Facebook doesn't have good intentions. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is not a good guy. He doesn't give a shit about the well-being of the country, of people, or any of that. He likes making, you know, disgusting, mind-blowing billions and billions of dollars. So I think at the root, if I had to say what it's really about, it's about that. It's about how the basic means of communication between us, between human beings, has been corrupted. And it's it's potential. It's, in a lot of ways, it's been killing us. I mean, if you look at gun violence, the opioid epidemic, income inequality for years, and now the virus, perfect example. And now we're heading into the real, the real giant mammoth story, which is the atmosphere and what we've done to it. And the thing that scares me is just, are we able to talk to each other? Are we able to agree on certain things? Because it certainly seems broken right now, but a lot of times circumstance can snap us, you know, back awake and we've seen it a bunch of times throughout history where something happens and we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about reality. And I, I think that's what's going to happen with the, the climate is the biggest reality wake up call ever. We're living inside one of your movies, right? We're living inside of this movie, right? Where you've got Bezos and Branson racing to space and Zuckerberg doing, you know, the the electronics surfboard during a pandemic. Like no awareness. Like these are characters in your movies, Adam. It's been it's been almost eerie the whole experience of working on the movie. I mean, we was so many times we had, I mean, remember, I wrote this before COVID. So uh, we had so many times where things happened during COVID that were just straight out of the script. I couldn't believe I had a section in the script. I actually don't think it's in the movie right now, but there was a section in the script where they have to pass the spending bill to deal with the comet. And the president is played by Meryl Streep's explaining how they got to give a tax break to the top 1% to the billionaires just to get it through because of the tax hawks in Congress to vote for it. And, uh, and then that happened with the COVID spending bill. They put in tax cuts for the top 1% or the top 0.1%. And it actually happened. And there were like 12 instances of that, uh, not to mention, of course, just denial of COVID. I mean, being the big one, which it's no surprise, there's comet denial in our movie. So some of that, we've done some test screenings and a lot of people think we just made the movie off of COVID, but it couldn't be further from the truth. The movie was written before COVID and it's been downright bizarre to be working on this movie while reality just keeps lining up more and more with it. We were doing some second unit filming yesterday in DC just to get some shots of the White House and shots of DC. And my producer, Jeff Waxman, was on set telling me they're having a hard time getting the shots because the smoke was so thick. It was making all the shots look hazy while we're trying to get shots for this movie that's about how we've ignored a great threat. So Time and time again, it's been happening. It's it's really bizarre. Adam, and it's debilitating. It's draining. Like, I want I want to laugh with you, and it makes me want to cry. <laughs> and, and it makes me, but it makes me want to cry. It really does, because it's, it's like if, the, never mind just America's attention. If the world doesn't pay attention to the world being on fire, I don't know how much more obvious it needs to be made. Like I'm being simplistic there. I'm not a scientist either, but you sound plenty informed. And if you're ringing the alarm bells, I'm, I'm inclined to listen. The good news is the world is not America. I mean, I think in the past we tended to think of America as the country that will respond, but there are other countries that are much further ahead with this. I mean, if you go over to Europe, you'll see windmills everywhere. You'll see solar panels everywhere. You know, there's leaders like Angela Merkel, who even though she's she's going to leave soon, but she totally gets it. And as crazy and as much of a, a hack as Boris Johnson is, he's nowhere near as hacky as our right wing. Like, he's not a total idiot. So, you know, the people over there do understand what's going on. And China is... is sketchy and as terrifying as China is with their active concentration camps, China doesn't play around. They don't want to burn. So they're, they're already taking action on some level. I don't know how much research they're doing on carbon capture because I think carbon capture is going to have to be part of this. I mean, clearly we got to stop producing fossil fuels, but there are a lot of other countries that, that can do stuff. And even in America, 
you know, you forget it's really, if you look at it, it's like 30% of our country that's become extreme reactionary right wing. There's still 50, 55, sometimes 60% of the country isn't completely gone. Um, so, you know, I think as this escalates and escalates, you'll see people wake up to having action. But I guess what I'm saying is, fortunately, a lot of the world isn't as crazy as America is right now. I mean, Brazil's pretty wackadoodle, Philippines, Hungary, Turkey. I mean, there's there's some Russia's pretty out there, but there are a lot of sane countries with real capabilities that can take action on this. But man, we got to go right now. A nice light lift today, Adam. Not the normal stuff that we usually talk about, but uh, but thank you for as, as <laughs> thank you as always for your time. It was a pleasure, alarmist and real as it was. Uh, thank you as always for your support as well, because it does it really does feel like we're living one of your movies right now. The idea that the world could protect America from itself and that America would not want a vaccine that it has better access to than anyone else, like that's that's something you'd write it, it's it's hard to express I, I mean i just always think about 30 years ago if someone told you this that we would elect uh, an ex-reality star painted orange uh real estate developer who's been divorced and slept with porn stars and lies and insults the handicapped and veterans and that we would develop a miracle vaccine or not we, but the world would develop a, a miracle vaccine. And then we would be so confused that we would say no to it. Living through the W Bush Cheney years was crazy enough, but that's a level of crazy. I, yeah, I never, ever, ever imagined the craziest comedy that I wrote when I was on SNL or the stuff I did with Farrell looks downright dry it looks it, it looks like dry satire compared to this it's yeah it's incredible and I, I always feel like whenever I talk about this with people I almost feel like I have to apologize like it sucks it, it just I think it sucks I hate it I wish it wasn't happening I wish we had just spent an hour talking about Giannis and his chicken nuggets from chick-fil-a but yeah when said we talked about this <laughs> but you but you tried to but see this is the thing with your work and it's one of the reasons I admire your work so much from going the growth pattern going funny or die going Saturday night live funny or die the silly movies uh that are uproariously funny and legendary and represent really you know the last time we were doing comedies like that that people talked about to then trying to tackle the hard stuff where you warned us in the big short you're like hey everyone's stealing the money and then you warned us in vice where you're like and look at what we did we killed some people with it and now with your next movie hey 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 does anyone want to pay attention to maybe we're going to kill all of them like does anyone want to pay attention to that yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I tell everyone, I would rather be making Step Brothers 2. I would rather, I mean, it's hard. I, we had so much fun making that movie. I laughed every single day. I would much rather be doing that. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not a choice that I'm happy to have made. It's not about career. It's not like, oh, he's going to go serious and win awards. I could give a shit. It's just like, man, this is happening. And there's no question it's happening. I mean, I wish I had a question about it, but it is crystal clear. And to live through this and not at least try or do what you do and reflect it, uh, it just feels like, what are you at that point? Like, you've got to at least try. I mean, people may think I'm an asshole. People may think I'm crazy. I'm extra, whatever. you got to at least try. I mean, that, that to me is the bottom line. I think it's even more amazing you have your show, which is ostensibly a sports show, and you've just put this segment out is pretty incredible. Do we end with uh, Do we end with me talking, uh, doing a terrible impression of Sylvester Stallone, just for the people who are incredibly depressed by this conversation? Uh, sure, but I don't know about your voice work. I've never heard it. I'm not familiar with it in any way. I don't imagine that you're dead. Yeah, you, know, you got those 50 nuggets. You really think he ate every one of them? I mean, good for him. He's a big boy. He had a great game. I love it. It's an American story. Immigrant comes over and hoists the trophy. But 50 nuggets, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> truly bad. Truly <laughs> Truly, truly bad. Awful. I, like, I, I don't know. Really like a level of bad comedy <laughs> I didn't even know I was humanly capable of. Clearly, I don't do voice work. See you later, Adam. Bye, guys.
My team is one win away. And I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do to celebrate once they get past this series. I'm going to go to my fridge and I'm going to get myself an ice cold can of Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975 and it still hasn't been settled. You see, Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer, less filling, and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller Time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.